0: Did did Lloyd Hightower take a snap? I'm seeing that he has negative seven rushing yards in this. Did he get like a fly sweep, or is this just like a weird somebody, the wrong number maybe? I don't know. They have Logan Hightower for one rush for negative seven yards, which is still, uh, even if that is true, it's uh, negative 20, or it's 23 yards better than Mason Petrie. Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave, and pull to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris, and it is a, a two-man podcast tonight, as I have Brian with me. How you doing, Brian?
1: Hey, it's good to be here,
0: Chris. Good, yeah. So we're, we're holding down the fort today on this episode that is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born right here in majestic Big Sky Country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. 8% of their profits are donated to local organizations like the C.W. Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw, that's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow-pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit montuckycoldsnacks.com today. To find out how to get your ass some snacks. All right, Brian. I was attending the Union High School versus Lake Stevens High School, uh, Washington, for a state playoff game to see our new recruit, Caleb Jordan. So I do not have much to say on the Sac State-Idaho game. By the time uh, the game had ended, which, for anyone wondering, um, someone broke the news to us, should have listened, looked into it more. Caleb Jordan is out. Um, He's not even playing right now. He has an injury. So I didn't even get to see him. But, man, I will say this. Union has some kids. We should get a couple more of them. But by the time that game was over, it was, like, just started the third quarter, and Idaho was pretty much already out of it. So I didn't even bother turning it on the radio on my drive back, if I'm being honest. I have – No clue what happened in this game. I I took a bye week this week. (laughs) But we did lose 31-7 to the Sac State Hornets, who are number six in the country. Um, Attendance was a dismal 6,108. Brian, tell us what happened.
1: What happened is Sac State is a top five team in the nation. They have probably the best defensive line in Maybe maybe all of the FCS, but certainly the big sky, and I'm counting Weaver State. And Sac State walked all over us in the first half. The big stat to take away, and we can talk about more, but we had 16. Not 60. 16 is in 1-6 total yards at halftime. <laughs> uh, it was, according to Colton Clark's write-up, it was the second time that Coach Petrino, and uh, this was likely directed um, at Mason to uh, receive some booze from the the people who are in attendance. Uh, you know, big picture, we lost 31 to seven, but Sac State definitely took the foot off the gas in the second half. They led 24 to zero at halftime. You know, the final tally is exactly as u- ugly as it sa- sounds. Sac State gains 409 total yards. We gain 194 total yards. Sac State has the ball 36 minutes and 10 seconds, by the way, we're supposed to be the ball control team We have the ball for 23 minutes 50 seconds You know, uh, I guess the silver lining is Kevin Thompson who came back and played had one of his probably worst outings of the season uh, passed for under 50% completion going 17 to 36 and through an interception Uh, But, you know, they they walked all over us on the ground. Elijah Dotson, 109 yards, uh, their backup running back, Perkinson, 67 yards on the ground. Uh, There wasn't a ton to be uh, thankful for about or excited about on senior night, which uh, for for our seniors, that that really sucks. But that's that's how it was was maybe the most depressing Idaho game I watched this year, even more so than uh, face planting in northern Colorado.
0: Yeah, I mean that's kind of like, I'm usually the eternal optimist. I like to think that when I turned on the game, you know, or saw the score, we had not scored our point yet. Maybe if I had saw it, it was twenty four seven, I would have been like, all right, twenty one points, you know, something. I if I recall last year, last game of the year against North Dakota, we did something pretty similar where it was like, or not last game of the year, but yeah, there was I think it last year, but. uh um that you know, was our second-to-last second home to game. Last. I just, yeah, I remember I was already in Boise for something. But, uh, you know, it was uh, – we came back in that one a little bit. So, you know, a 24-7, a little different. But when I turn it on, it's 24-0. And this is after Montana where we were up 10-0 and ended up losing 42-17. And we were up, gosh, 24-7 against Northern Colorado and then fell whatever that score was. That was so long ago. You know, it's uh, – it's eastern we're up 28-0 at halftime only end up winning 35-28 like we i was like there's no way if we don't have a lead going into halftime or close we're, we're pulling this one out um so i don't know it was we'll talk about this um later uh obviously we have our big review episode next year or next year next week that we'll talk about everything we got right and everything we got wrong going into the season and what to prep for for next year. But that's next week's episode um, when we have hopefully the crew back together. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at this. Like, we didn't even score till there's six minutes left in the third quarter. So, I mean, gosh. Yeah, so Colton
1: Clark, and by the way, everyone, if you only read one article on the University of Idaho football team this year that is not published on tubzitclub.com, you should read Colton Clark's MMQB from last week uh, where he talked about this game. Uh, He doesn't do like a rundown of the game. It's more of like an editorial about where Idaho football is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, big stat that he pointed out. Now, again, Sac State's a very good FCS team. We were a three and out machine against Sac State. We ran 55 total plays against Sac State. We ran 54 plays against Penn State. So our offense seriously performed about as well against Sac State as we did against Penn State. And again, Sac State is good, but they're not top 10 FBS good.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, I, this season, I don't want to we'll, we'll be covering a lot about the season. Um, I don't know. I, it was good to see. It looks like he coffee played most of the game. Um, so he's feeling better. Because uh, I know he had had some rough stuff the last couple of weeks. But uh, I don't know. Um, you got anything?
1: Yeah, it's it's not positive, And I know we're not trying to do like a circle jerk of disappointment or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, if so if you're one of the fans who forever has been saying uh, Mason Petrino was the wrong choice, this is the game to point to as – this is this is what we bought with two years of his development. Mason could do nothing against Sacramento State uh, Completed 15 to 24 for 133 yards Which that completion percentage is fine. But again, he we were a three and out machine the way you have to beat a team like Sac State that uh, controls the line of scrimmage as well as they do You got to be able to get the ball outside to, to get some one-on-one action in space Which by the way Paul Petrino said that was our MO at the start of the year when we all knew who was gonna be our starter or you got to be able to stretch the field a little bit. Doesn't mean 50-yard throws, but it means you you need to be able to go over the top a little bit. And our offensively, we've we've actually taken a step back offensively from last year. And again, I'll I'll probably stop there so we don't do the whole inventory because we do have our, um, you know, our end of season podcast we're gonna do. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if you were looking for a game uh, to to point to to say, this is this this is kind of this is the floor of Idaho football. We found it at uh, playing Sac State this mm-hmm. week.
0: Um, yeah, and I guess did, did Lloyd Hightower take a snap? I'm seeing that he has negative seven rushing yards in this. Did he get like a fly sweep, or is this just like a weird somebody, the wrong number maybe? I don't know. They have Logan Hightower for one rush for negative seven yards. Which is still, I, uh, even if that is true, it's 20 uh, it's 23 yards better than Mason Petrino.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and now to, I'm going to say to Mason's credit, um, part of the difficulty of playing Sac State and I talked about last week, uh, Sac State gets your, gets the quarterback. This is what they did to Montana when they beat the hell out of Montana earlier. They got to Snead fast and when when a team can do that, if you can't get the ball out quick, it's going to be a long day. Uh, so good teams have struggled with Sac State. It's not like it's just us. There's a reason Sac State has a good chance of being seeded in the playoffs. Uh, but you know, Mason had no time, uh, and even when he did, it's not like he did anything with it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's move on to NAU. I've got special guest uh, interview with. Um, Casey Everett at the NAU podcast. He's also part of the Big Sky Podcast Network with us. He, as you might have saw on our Twitter account on Tuesday, uh, is giving away free tickets to this game. So if you're in Nevada or you Southern Utah area, Southern California, Arizona, um, you know, yeah, uh, all you gotta do is comment on ours or on his page. It's at NAU Podcast. I um, mean, he's gonna randomly select a winner. So if you're looking for free tickets, God bless his soul because uh, uh, we we will get into it with the interview with him. There's not a lot of people wanting to go to Idaho or NAU right now, um, but hopefully somebody out there will be really excited about these tickets. But uh, we'll have myself and Casey take it away, and then Brian and I will be right back after the break. All right, I have Casey Everett joining me from the NAU and Big Sky podcast. How are you doing, Casey?
2: I am great, Chris. How are you?
0: Oh, good, good. Better than... Both of our teams probably uh, feel right now, but uh, we've got an interesting one this week. Uh, We got, according to the Versus Sports Simulator, number 36, Idaho. Don't know how we're still holding that spot. Um, Traveling down to you guys in Flagstaff, number 51, NAU. Uh, Flagstaff, like I said, the uh, NAU in Flagstaff, Arizona, they play in the walk-up Sky Dome. It's got a capacity of about 10,500. Um, Chris Ball is their head coach. It's his first season. He's four and seven. Idaho is coming into this one as a three-point dog on the road. Casey, tell me, you know, tell us a little bit about how, sorry, let me, uh, <clears throat> so Casey, we we have a lot of Vandal alumni actually that are going to be making the game or live in the Arizona area, and so they're planning on making the trip up to Flagstaff. For, I know it was one of the games I personally wanted to attend, um, and I still plan on doing while we're in the Big Sky. just couldn't swing it this year. But for the people making the trip down to Flagstaff, any suggested places they should you know, check out to eat, check out to drink, some places that have some really cool um, you know, northern Arizona history?
2: Well, Chris, l- let me tell you what. If you had never been – Flagstaff is the best city in all of Arizona. First off, it's the highest elevation city at 7,000 feet. That's where it starts. It goes all the way up to to 10,092 at the top of the mountain. So if you're wanting, wanting to spend the entire day there, I would definitely first, before you do anything else, go check out the... Uh, Ski Resort uh, in Flagstaff. You take a ski ride all the way top of the mountain and you can see what you would think is the entire world, but it's just absolutely gorgeous and it's supposed to be snowing this coming week, uh, so there's going to be plenty of snow on the ground as well.
0: (laughs) So all those people that are making the trip from Moscow then are... are... (laughs) Aren't really uh, gonna get anything different than they're used to right now, uh, but exactly, so you're not getting a nice Arizona vacation. It's not Scottsdale.
2: <laughs> no, it is not Scottsdale. Definitely not. Yeah, and then I've um, actually been. If
0: you're, I've been the Flagstaff, and it's the gateway to the Grand Canyon. Correct.
2: You're correct. The Grand Canyon is about thirty-five to forty minutes away from NAU.
0: That's awesome. Um,
2: yeah. So where it's, do you, it's one humongous
0: hole. So where do you go if uh, you're in town um, after the game looking to maybe get some dinner? Any, any suggestions on good restaurants or places like that?
2: Yep, I got two. I got one for before the game and one for after. So if you don't want to spend a ton of money at – uh, the Sky Dome, which food really there isn't that expensive. But if you really want the Flagstaff feel before the game, you're going to go to Bigfoot Barbecue. And it is in downtown Flagstaff, in the basement of the mall, um, in historic downtown.
0: Okay. Bigfoot Which
2: Barbecue. is... Yeah. Bigfoot barbecue. It's really good food. After the game, you're going to go, you're going to stay on university Avenue and which is right, uh, very close to uh, the campus itself. And you're going to go to Namarco's pizza. It is the best pizza joint in all of Arizona.
0: All right. Nice. And then, obviously, our podcast here, we're named after, oh, God, I can't even list all the awards. The bar's won, but a very historic bar for the University of Idaho. It's littered with Idaho history. Is there a place like that in NAU, kind of like the local college bar that's got some of the old pictures and anything like that for people that are trying to take in some history?
2: Uh, Chris, all you got to do is walk down uh san francisco avenue in flagstaff and every other door is a bar (laughs) it is littered
0: that will be good for some of those vandals making it there and and i know uh we've had a lot of arizona recruits the last couple years so i know their parents uh are planning on making the trip so hopefully there's a good vandal contingency um i know a couple of them listen to this podcast so hopefully they can be the ringleaders and now you've got some good food options. I know they're all probably from Arizona and probably already know that, but we'll go have some other people go in there as well. Now, <clears throat> the pleasant it's time to dispense with the pleasantries here. It's time to talk football. We- we've got a game coming up on Saturday. Uh, there's going to be a winner. There's going to be a loser. You know, one of these teams can win and finish as high as, I believe, eighth place in the conference. The other could lose and finish as low as 12th place in the conference. Neither team, in my opinion, deserves to be the 12th worst team in this conference. Uh, But it's possible that this year one of us might be. Kind of tell us how you, how NAU's gotten to the point uh, that you're at so far this year.
2: Um, Chris, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. And it really sucks to say this. NAU doesn't know the word defense. Um, they are a completely two-faced team, and what I mean by that is, like Idaho, NAU has not won a road game. They are completely 0-6. There's no more road games to be had. They are five. Excuse me. They are four and one at home, with their only loss. To Sacramento State by four points. Uh, so that's their biggest problem, and the reason why is they've lost so many people on the defense from injuries to people leaving the team because they don't agree with the you know, with the new coaching system or the new coach or what he wants to implement, which is expected because that always happens. Mm-hmm. When a new coach comes in, it's expected. Uh, But I just don't think that it was to the point that I just didn't think it was going to be as bad as it is. I'm just going to tell you that because we are completely shocked. We, We lost a lot of our top defensive players. We are literally, except for maybe one or two, it's freshman or uh, second or third strength.
0: Yeah, and obviously Idaho's almost the opposite where we have a non-existent offense. And uh, as you touched on, no no road wins the whole time we've been in the big sky. We're hoping to not go... um, I don't even know what that would be. It'll be six games this year, six games last year, so 0-12 or 0-13 or 0-11, depending on how many road games we played last year, but uh, not good, and like I said, this game is kind of the depressing bowl. If it wasn't for UC Davis and Eastern Washington, I think these two teams would easily be considered two of the bigger letdowns this year. Both had a decent amount of hype going in. Uh, I know NAU had legitimate playoff aspirations. You have the arguably the best Big Sky quarterback coming back for his, what, sixth or seventh year after some injuries and red shirts. Um, And he's delivered. It hasn't been Case Cookus that's been the problem. But, man, it's just the season got away from these two teams. It's almost fitting that they meet together at the end of the year as uh, what we had pegged on our podcast at the beginning, which our listeners will get next week in our uh, review podcast, We said this might be a potential, like, play-in game. The winner of this might be the team that gets, I was thinking, the fifth spot out of the Big Sky to get in. Uh, Obviously, nobody saw Sac State really sneaking up to where they were. But it's just just sad to think that uh, this is how the season has ended for them. Uh, Like, you guys have a new coach, and like you said, that always leads to some issues unless you are a winning program like a North Dakota State where it's just don't crash the Ferrari. But if you're trying to take a middle level team or a low level team, there's going to be some issues because, like you said, some players don't drive with the new culture and they leave. And uh, that, that's kind of any use case, at least for you guys who have who it seems to be. I don't know how you guys view Chris Ball, but I know you were pretty high on him in the beginning of the year. Do you think it's just him getting some of his guys in there? Or do you think it is maybe um, he wrecked the car?
2: No, I don't think he wrecked the car. Keep in mind, um, Chris Ball came in kind of late. So most of the guys that he's working with uh, is slash was Jerome Sowers recruits. So, and even a lot of people that were on there, you know, was playing. It was going uh, to continue to think that they, were, that they were playing with Jerome Sowers. Chris Ball came in and completely cleaned house, uh, told the team from the get-go what he wanted, what his expectations were, and that there would be absolutely no quitting. And he did not want, how you would say it, maybe a lazy team. NAU's never been lazy. But at the exact same time, I think... For the twenty-plus years that Jerome Sowers was in there, the people in AU got complacent. Yeah. And Chris completely well, it's like getting a new boss at work, mm-hmm. right? The boss the boss comes in, and everyone's who doesn't like it leaves, and then the people that likes it stays. But then you you know get real a lot of the hardworking people that like how it's been, well, they leave because they actually have to work harder now. Yeah. True. So I think that's kind of what's going on at NAU. I think next year there will be a lot better recruits. Um, I mean, we've, we've had a fantastic uh, Hendrick Johnson, freshman recruit <laughs> wide receiver has been 100% astonishing. Um. That was uh, uh, thanks to the flu grads that are the only two coaches that stayed on with NAU. They got him, and uh, there was a few others. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's really tough to say. I do not believe that he, like you said, crashed the car or the boat. Uh, but yeah, he's just expects a different type of life and he's making it work
0: well the good news is there's a good chance uh technically if you listen to vegas you get about a point and a half for being the home team which would mean that even if this game was at the university of idaho uh nau would still be a one and a half point favorite so there's more than a 50% chance that NAU might get to end their dro- or sorry, Jerome Sowers. Chris Ball's first season on a high note, finishing 5-7, and seven, which looks a lot better than 4-8. and eight. Um, So I'm curious, how do you think this game's going to go? And uh, I know that even if any team can beat any team, it's proven, especially in the big sky. So there's always a way that a team, for instance, like a Northern Colorado can beat a team like a Montana. Now, it doesn't happen every time, but, you know, how do you see the perfect roadmap going for Northern Arizona to have a chance to beat Idaho, or how are they going to beat Idaho?
2: Well, you're coming to Flagstaff, and NAU this year is known to be a completely different team at home.
0: Yeah, it game really feels like we're looking at the same team in the
2: mirror. <laughs> oh, no, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, it's – like I said, we almost, if it wasn't for the onside kick redo for Sacramento State, our last home game, we would have beaten Sac State by 10 points. Mm-hmm. Instead, they beat us by four. So, yes, it's definitely something that I believe Flagstaff, NAU, can pull out the win. Um, is it going to be close? Probably be, but you got to think of it. NAU has a fantastic offense where Idaho has a good defense. The question is, can
0: Idaho stop
2: the passing yards from Case Cookus.
0: Yeah, and if on our defense, that's the one thing you line up for is you guys are a lot like, have we said, Sac State and Montana were uniquely bad matchups for us, where that's why we could hang with the likes of a Weber or even a Wyoming. Is um, our DBs, now they're not bad, they're not Montana or Eastern bad, uh, but they are very average. They're nothing to hang your hat on. They do a a decent job. Um, The problem is our strength is in our D-line and especially with our linebackers. And, you know, that can help with getting pressure on Case Cookus, but pressure only matters if the guy's not wide open. So it's a uniquely bad matchup for us. Um, That paired with what we said, us being on the road. Um, So it's going to come down to, I think, a lot of Idaho's running game. Um, our star wide receiver jeff cotton is uh according to the beat reporter was cleared and practicing today so he, jeff cotton should get to play his last game uh, which he is from arizona so i know that will be big for him um but uh other than that i think it comes down to our andre carter thig pen romano our running backs and just for all idaho's sake hoping that we just don't put the ball in Mason's hands more than we need to in this one and try to do what we did against Eastern and just hold the ball and run out the clock, try to get a lead early. And then after that, it's all possession. It's uh, hoping that we can just have the clock hit double zeros before Cook can get his numbers because he's going to get his numbers. Um,
2: what happened to Cotton?
0: Uh, he... Um, Montana happened to Jeff Cotton, and some people aren't happy with it. But, uh, yeah, Robbie Houck hit him, and uh, he was in concussion protocol uh, against Sac State. And there was talk, I was one of the people included, that thought that Jeff Cotton was going to be just call his, uh, you know, take stock and just ride into the draft. He's already been confirmed for the Hula Bowl. Um, So we were thinking he's just going to, you know, ride ride off into the sunset, take his uh, NFL career and hope that was what happened. But, you know, that's why we're wrong. I didn't know if it's just he wants to stick to the team or I underestimated the fact that he is from Arizona and getting to play in Arizona for the first time since he left the JUCO system there. Um, It, it, you know, would be good. But um, I know he's probably fired up. It's just, man, it feels like we wasted two years of him because you can only be so good when you're catching – five to ten yard slants all the time. But um, either way, we're excited to see him one last time, especially in kind of what will probably be an emotional game for him. So hopefully he's looking to show out I'm in front of friends and family and everybody down in Arizona. So um, I'm definitely pulling for Jeff Cotton to, to play well against you. But, um, yeah, I, I, do you think uh, any keys we might have missed here on the, you know, what it might take for one of these teams to get a W or – um, I know for us, like the good news is we've already played Wyoming, so hopefully altitude isn't too big of an issue, and we've pl- played rather well against Wyoming um, but that was also week three of the season, so you know a lot's changed since then. We're nine weeks later. I don't know how much those guys remember that was you know three weeks in when you'd argue that people are in optimal shape, and the team is at probably its healthiest um, and that's not the case now so Curious if altitude will be an issue. Um, Yeah.
2: Well, you know, I'm actually looking at or trying to find Laramie, Wyoming. Hold on a second. I'm trying to find the um, evolution or evolution evolution um for laramie yeah, it's, it's basically the exact same seven thousand one hundred and sixty five elevation. um yeah elevation yeah. Uh, yeah, uh elevation so um a hundred feet higher than blackstaff so yeah it's basically the exact same um, you know uh, Elevation, because you guys were at Wyoming, granted it was a week three, it shouldn't hurt as bad as someone who hasn't played in that high of elevation in, in, a, in, a, in a, a, a good while. Hmm. And the dome. Keith, Keith,
0: yeah.
2: Keith, <laughs> and the domes. dome, yes. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Yeah, I know the one thing we're the really game, about is uh, our punter and kicker, he doubles both. All American type player. In fact, he was an All American last year and was all conference when we were in the Sun Belt as a freshman. Um, just he's been dealing with a hamstring and a groin all year. And we were saying all year, we're like, we're excited for him to see him in Flagstaff. Dome, elevation. I mean, we were so excited to see what he could do. And now I think he's only handling field goals. I don't think he's ha- handling point after kick, punting, or, um, actual kickoff. So that's unfortunate because that would have been really cool to see him play up there.
2: Well, our field goal kicker, Aguilar, um, has kicked a 54 yard field goal in the note. Nice. Uh, the, the longest for, for his career. Um, so he's good. He hasn't at home. He has not missed one. Um, now, I will say if Idaho wants to tr- try to stop in a offense, if they cannot stop Case Cookis' long game, they're going to have to try to stop Joe Logan and the short pass game because he is really good at getting a pass and then running it for. 10, 15 yards. Um, And that's where we kind of got Eastern Washington for a while until that didn't work, and they kind of did their thing.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah, I think think it's going to be exciting. Either way, like I said, there's something to play for because both of these teams – I mean, I guess maybe – correct me if I'm wrong here. What's your guys' classman load look like? Like, I know losing Cookus is going to be big for you guys, but you're also used to playing without Cookus. So I'm assuming you have some quarterbacks on the roster for next year, where Idaho, we're just waiting for any quarterback that will be on the roster next year. So I I know both teams, it's important to get that momentum rolling into next year because I know for Idaho we have, gosh, I want to say like 18 possible returning starters next year. Um, depending on, you know, we might get some recruits in next year that are freshmen that are better than the freshmen and sophomores that played this year. But we have a pretty big class coming back. Uh, How's NAU looking like? Is this a game where you need to win it to get some momentum for some of these young guys into next season? Or are you guys pretty senior and junior heavy?
2: Um, Well, we got a really good transfer in this year that really hasn't played much just because he's been injured uh, but his name is Ke- Keandre Wadti, and he is from Oklahoma State University. He is going to be a junior and he is a completely different. Uh, he's a runner and a passer. So he's, he's a dual threat quarterback. Um, and if he cannot be injured and everything that says that looks good and he shows it, uh, I'm hoping that we should be good at quarterback at least with Mr. Woodt but he's not going to be a case cookis because he does not have the experience that case Cookis has. So yes, we are still worried. I'm still worried uh, but I, I mean, it's time for him to graduate, so we'll see what happens. Am I going to say? Am I going to sit here and say we're going to be completely fine, no issues? Absolutely not, mm-hmm. because it's going to be a completely different offense.
0: Yeah. Well, as Seattle, or sorry, as Seattle, as uh, Idaho knows, um, you know, there's a lot of good recruits down in Arizona. Chris Ball is the kind of guy that's – was Chris Ball on the UTEP staff at all with Mike Price? I know he's from the Mike Price tree.
2: He was um, um, Wazoo.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he didn't follow Mike Price to UTEP? No, he did not. I was wondering if he has a lot of experience coaching and recruiting down in that area. Cause there's, there's a lot of really good recruits down there and I think he's the kind of guy that will be able to benefit from that. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how he does. Um, I, I think NAU is a program that's kind of ready to explode. Uh, it, the state of Arizona has very high population. I believe Phoenix is what the fifth or sixth largest city in the country. Um, and you only have two real big FBS markets, uh, or two FBS teams, and then you're the only FCS team in market. So, in theory, and the only New Mexico market. So, really, and God, even consider Southern California. I mean, it's just in a recruiting hotbed. There's no FCS team in Nevada. There's, like, one FCS team kind of in Southern California that offers scholarships. The other one doesn't. There's no New Mexico team. There's no, a ton out in West Texas. Uh, you have Southern Utah to compete with, but in my opinion, I don't know who would go to Southern Utah over NAU. Um,
2: I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, they're really horrible over there.
0: <laughs> That's your guys' rival, right? Or technically,
2: it is. Yeah, is that it your is. biggest
0: rival or no? No. Are um, uh, at least in
2: my opinion, we have two bigger rivals: um, Northern Colorado. Uh, where we really don't care for each other that much. Uh, But the most unique rival that Arizona uh, has one win, we're actually 26 to 25, is Weber State.
0: Oh, interesting. Not southern Utah. And who's your protected rivals? Is it northern Colorado and southern Utah then?
2: Yes, it is. Okay.
0: so then, I got, actually I got a quick question for you, and then we'll kind of do our score predictions here, and um, okay, we'll we'll get on. Um, but new, there's talk, right? And with New Mexico State possibly looking if this independence thing doesn't shake out, there's another round of realignment coming. It's very possible in the next five to ten years, New Mexico State finds a home in the FCS. Depending on what happens with the Western Athletic Conference coming back, there's a good chance that. New Mexico State would be in the big sky. Now, in my opinion, I know a lot of people want to throw NAU out if there's realignment just due to the geography and it really being ran by the two Montana schools. You guys would make more sense. If, like, a southern Utah and the California schools and everybody broke off, I actually think that because NAU's been in the big sky since, God, what, like 1980? 1970.
2: 1970.
0: And that's where I'm like, I would rather have a team that has history be in it than go strictly geography. But where I would make that exception is I do think a school like a New Mexico State would add. Now, I'm okay with Southern Utah, Northern Colorado, um, SAC, UC Davis, all those guys, the new Dixie, all those that are coming in, forming a whack. But I really think it would benefit the big sky to get a New Mexico State because, one, they have a big stadium. I mean, I think it's actually – hold on, let's look this up real quick. I think it's bigger than Montana's. For it is. I get a ton of hate for apparently Montana people think I hate their stadium just because I said it wasn't the loudest. I said it was beautiful, amazing facility. Don't think it's the loudest. Apparently that's a that's a you'd be hung by the neck word in Missoula, but yeah. Uh La Crucius, the Aggie Memorial Stadium holds thirty thousand, so it'd be the largest stadium in the big sky. One of the largest in the FCS. Um so I think that's a super big grab for them, and I think it actually gives NAU a legitimate rivalry that could build. I think that makes sense. You're both down there in the two southern states bordering Mexico. Um, I think that is a game that could definitely build into an actual rivalry because kind of like what you said, I would have never guessed that your biggest rival was Weber and northern Colorado. i Get, would have guessed Southern Utah and then maybe like Cal Poly. So it was weird to hear Weber, but Weber makes sense because, like I said, you both have been in the conference forever. I think longer than yeah. I know you've been in there longer than Eastern has been. Um, like, I think you joined with and, Boise State and God, somebody else. But yeah, follow your point and I'll get the answer.
2: NAU is a founding member of the Big Sky Conference. Okay. So, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. So that's why I'm like, yeah, you got you have to keep them. They're um, okay, so here it is. So, yeah, founding – so you weren't quite founding. So founding was 1964, and it was Gonzaga, Idaho, Idaho State, Montana, Montana State, Weber. The first two teams to join were Boise State and Northern Arizona in 1970, um, and then Nevada in 1979. Eastern didn't join till 1987. And that's where I find it funny when, like, and Eastern people want to kick you guys out. And I'm like, man, they've been in the conference almost twice as long. Um, yep. So, I, I like I said, I'd rather and, keep that.
2: And Southern Utah and Southern Utah didn't join until 2012.
0: Yep, I'm seeing that with North Dakota, and they already left. So, yeah, put Southern Utah in with Dixie. And then there you go. That, that rivalry with Southern Utah or forced rivalry or whatever it is is only – uh, it's going to be eight years old. Northern Colorado joined in 06, so it's only 14 years old. So I feel like it would be way easier for you guys to kind of get that rivalry with New Mexico State, a team that Idaho has a little bit of affinity for because us and the Red Aggies have been drugged oh. through the mud for the last 20 years between joining the Sun Belt and then being independent and then joining the WAC and then being independent again and then joining the Sun Belt again and then uh, joining the – well, they went independent when obviously we came back to the Big Sky because um, they've never had a home here where the Big Sky has wanted us ever since we pretty much left, and finally we were like, you know what, that seems like a pretty good place for us to be. But, um, I mean, what's your thought on New Mexico State entering in? Do you think that's something that you'd be – what's your thought on if there is another Western conference out here? Are you – are the NAU fan base pro Big Sky, and would you want to stay in the Big Sky Conference, or would you want to go form – the new like WAC or you know new FCS conference and then then touch on the New Mexico State thing
2: well I can't really talk about the rest of the NAU fans only because it's really not something that we've talked about Um, I will tell you what though I was talking with my brother today who lives in New Mexico. And works at New Mexico State. And uh, I used to work at New Mexico State as well doing security. So I know that stadium like the back of my hand. I will say that at least for me and my own personal opinion, looking also at some of the other sports, NAU's swimming team, because Big Sky doesn't have swimming, NAU's swimming team is already in the WAC. And they've won multiple WAC championships. NMSU's basketball is part of the WAC. They've won multiple WAC championships. I think it would be for both teams Because I can't see NMSU personally moving all of their major sports to Big Sky, especially their basketball, because they've done so well.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, their basketball team has always been a – it was always them, Utah State, and Nevada when we were all in the WAC. Um, You know, before the WAC got its refresher uh, in 2010 – uh, it was always New Mexico, the the Red Aggies of New Mexico State, the Blue Aggies of Utah State, and um, Nevada that were the three big teams that were usually battling for maybe the whack getting two bids into the conference. We, they were that good. And then you kind of had your Boise States and Fresno States that did all right and kind of pushed. But, I mean, yeah, their basketball program, I and mean, we know we were in the whack with them until, well, I think 2014. So, I mean... We, their basketball team's legit, and that's why I think if you could actually get them as an ad to the Big Sky and give you guys both full membership, I think that would be awesome. But like you said, I think there are, like, swimming, um, which I didn't know. There's not, the Big Sky doesn't host swimming, huh? They do not. So I am curious where Idaho swim Is Idaho swim team in the WAC?
2: I'm not sure. I know that University of Colorado or I'm oh, sorry, nor- northern Colorado is in the whack. Okay, um, as, lo- as long along with NAU.
0: Yeah. Well, that's curious. Now I wonder where our where our swimming and diving is. But um, anyways, Casey, um, let's get a quick score prediction, and I'll let you get out of here. And then me and the well, just Brian <laughs> are going to finish up our podcast. Um, closing points, and what do you think this score is going to be?
2: uh closing points just real quick on the whole WAC thing my personally my my idea is for NAU to go to the WAC. but that's
0: oh uh, yeah so my if they did football personal.
2: right um okay score prediction first off it's going to be a good game it's going to be a close game i can probably see Top ten point difference, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's going to be a thirty-one to twenty to twenty-three type of game. NAU.
0: Okay. Um, funny enough, I just was on Go Vandals. The news for the women's swim team: Idaho swim and dive falls at NAU. Uh, so, darn you women, I, I feel bad that you guys took the loss to NAU. But I think the men's football team will be joining you in that loss category. Uh, if we can't beat Portland State on the road and we can't beat Northern Colorado on the road, I don't think we're going to beat a team like NAU on the road. I do think it might be something like we saw against Montana. We might maybe even go in the halftime up 10-0 or something ridiculous because our defense can play really, really good. But then they're just on the field all the time. I think NAU, just like Portland State, just like Northern Colorado, they make their adjustments. Our defense doesn't have time to be on the bench long enough to come up with adjustments. I think this one could be something like 48-24 NAU. Like I said, I could see it being something like 17-7 at halftime. But I don't think Idaho gets it done. Next year is the year for road wins. Um, But uh, we'll see. All right, Casey. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, hopefully uh, I'm wrong, uh, but for your case, hopefully you're right. And uh, better times ahead for both teams, hopefully next season. Oh, and tell the people how they can we find so, you. Great. Sorry, sorry.
2: No, it's all right. Hey, if you want to listen to any of my podcasts, go to soundcloud.com forward slash NAU podcast. I am on Twitter. At NAU podcast or Facebook, just at Casey Everett. And it's Casey as initials.
0: All right. Well, Casey, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you next year.
2: Thank you, Chris. Bye bye.
0: All right, Brian. I know when we started this you were not expecting us to start talking about wax swimming and diving. <laughs>
1: You know what? That's a safe assessment, man.
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Casey and I got a little little carried away, but I think it goes to show that uh, both of us are kind of looking at different things uh, around the football seasons right now. Um, but it was fun to have him on. He gave a good perspective. It was kind of funny that, you know, it is kind of the same team looking at each other in the mirror. But, I mean, we kind of touched on it, and Brian, I, I kind of want to talk it over with you. Uh, I think I actually saw this once again. God, do we plug anybody more than Colton Clark in this? But, uh, Colton Clark posted that I think the winner of this game can finish as high as 8th s- or 7th, 7th or 8th in the conference. The loser can finish as low as 12th, depending on how all the rest of the games go this week. Um, man, uh, <laughs> it's crazy to think that two years in, we could possibly finish 12th. But uh, I don't know, if you really want to touch, obviously we're going to be, for anyone that's still listening, uh <laughs> We're going to be covering a lot of the Big Sky FCS storylines and then obviously no hashtag STATCs this week because we already know what you guys are going to ask. We'll do a little deep dive on some of those. But uh, as far as NAU goes, do you have any points or how is Idaho going to win this game before we get a score prediction from you?
1: You know, it's an odd matchup. Um, Idaho has the worst scoring defense in conference play at 21.3 points per game. NAU has the worst scoring defense. They give up 41 points a game. They also get, they have the worst total defense. They give up 532.9 yards per game. They've given up 35 total touchdowns. You know, if there's a team for Idaho um, to have a solid offensive outing against, this is the team. Although simultaneously with NAU, they're, they're strong offensively. They're the best passing team in the league. Uh, they they have they they rush the ball pretty well. And the reason I reference the passing is because um, defensively our weakness is uh, is a secondary and that's where they're going to look to exploit. So the, the big thing for us is going to be um, similar to probably what Eastern Washington did. You know, we're not going to go score 66 points, uh, but we're probably going to have to get about 35 or so because NAU will put points up. But this is a team that can self-destruct. This is a team that, like us, has really struggled to play four quarters of football, and their defense is so goddamn bad uh, that if our offense is rolling, it can start to put a ton of pressure on them offensively where they essentially have to be perfect.
0: Yeah. Um, any? What's your, what's your score prediction here?
1: <laughs> Man, this to me is one of the toughest to predict because I – I really think we could be looking at anything from Idaho wins this 38 to 3 to Idaho loses 48 to 17. I think it's – it's probably I feel like it's probably going to be one or the other because it's going to depend who really shows up this game. But I got to say, like, I'm not – until Idaho shows they can win a game on the road and NAU's only lost one home game, that was to Sac State – um, I'm going to go NAU, and I'm going to say they win 42 to uh, 42 to 35.
0: All right. Well, uh, if you are planning on going to the game, just one last plug about it. Uh, remember, go find our post at Tubbs of the Club or find Casey's at NAU Podcast to win those free, two free tickets to the Walk Up Sky Dome for this weekend's game for – um, I mean, how Casey and I talked about it, if it wasn't for Eastern and UC Davis, who would both kind of turn it on here in the second half of the season, Idaho and uh, NAU would probably be voted most disappointing. Um, but we'll see. We might be doing that for the Big Sky Podcast Network. So we'll see what people say. It's still early. One of these teams has a chance to get blown out this weekend. Um, Cornerstool takes – Brian, what do you got this week?
1: I'm going to steal a corner stool take from a guy who uh, Vandal pride 97 on all vandals (laughs) who sent in a question. I know we chose to not answer questions because a ton of these do relate to end of the season, Uh, but I'm going to steal his question as my corner stool takes question is how much is Paul Petrino still playing Mason just uh, to be defiant towards our fan base. And my answer is I can't see inside the guy's head. So I don't have any real good answer for it, but it's, it's just indefensible that we're not even letting the younger guys get shots. When you know against Sac State, we're we're down thirty-one to seven in the fourth quarter. We're not moving the ball at all, and Sac State's taking their foot off the gas. N- if Nikhil Nair is going to be the guy next year, which we don't know if he will, he he needs a little bit of time on the field. But we keep playing, keep playing, playing Mason. Um, not trying to beat the dead horse again, but. It is just so preposterous uh, how this has been handled. I, I don't know how it could be handled worse at this point.
0: Yeah, I, the only thing I can think, because this is actually ties into my corner, still so we'll take perfect, and we didn't even compare notes. Um, I honestly think Paul's trying to get fired. Like, I think he is not happy anymore. He knows Mason's on his way out, so he doesn't really have ties to Moscow anymore. I don't know what Ava is like. I think that's his youngest name. Like I don't know if she's old enough to be in any sports where like it would be a huge detriment for her to leave. I also feel like they'd probably be able with the money they've been making to live in Moscow could go live in like a uh, Boise or you know a Clackamas or you know one of a bigger like sporting area than Moscow. Um, if she has a future, I don't know if she even plays any youth sports, but I think he's, he there's no way. Like you said, it's it's indefensible how just blatantly middle fingering he is to us and i think maybe he saw the writing on the wall when spear came out and we got these new presidents and ad in that they're probably going to look for any excuse to make a move anyways so might as well just give them the excuse because if we don't fire him he just gets to sit there and make a bunch of money and then you know what? maybe he proves us wrong and he gets to keep the job but right now it's like if he gets fired he makes you know, over a million dollars to go live somewhere else for three years. Like, um, in, in the way Arkansas is going, who knows, Bobby Petrino might get hired by them again. And he's making $1.8 million for, you know, another five years or whatever it is with four years with the University of Idaho. And then he's making probably another 500000 to be the offensive coordinator for Arkansas. So I think at this point he's, he's trying to get fired. I honestly think at this point Mason Petrino would be a better head coach. Like, I would actually be like, hey, Mason, do you want to go play quarter or be the head coach and do you let your dad take a bye week off? Like, I feel like he would at least be aware enough to be like, yeah, this is a lost season. Let's put some of these young guys in. Like, there's no reason. I get I get starting Mason on senior night, right? It's senior night. You should start seniors. I know back in the day that was always a thing. Like, seniors would always at least take one drive. But, you know – the whole game when it's there at the very end and everybody in the dome is upset and now your son's getting booed off of the field on his senior day game, that's like I mean to the Idaho fans that did that, very classless, but I understand why you did it. I like I don't fault you for it. I just, you know, would wish we realized how that looks and that, you know, this is still a twenty two year old guy who just was at the school for four to five years, but i don't know i'm just under the impression that paul wants out and he's just like you said not even a you were saying he's being defiant to the fan base i think he's being defiant to management i think he's just like scott terry you want your person i'll give you every reason to get rid of me so you guys can look like heroes but you're gonna have to pay me um i'm convinced of it now
1: so can i can i go off that just a little bit
0: yeah of course we got time
1: (laughs) yeah yeah we do um so the only good, the only silver lining in your analysis is if he gets a job, we don't we don't have to pay him anymore.
0: Yeah, or we do, but we don't have to pay him the big chunk. Um, I don't have the contract up right now; I have it saved, um, so I might put a editor's correction note if I'm incorrect. I know there's, I believe I should say there is a set amount we owe him no matter what. Um, I don't think we owe him which is the big chunk is like the media obligations and everything like that if he gets hired by another job. But, yes, if he just sits there for three years, we have to pay him the full amount. But I think we would only owe him like maybe $400,000 if um, he got a new job immediately. And if he leaves for a new job too, that's even better.
1: So my understanding of the dollars in, dollars out is that if we fire him until he has a job, we're on the hook, and then once he gets a job, so just for round number purposes, mm-hmm. let's just say his salary is four hundred thousand. It's not, but just for for our purposes here, uh, let's say he signs a contract to be an offensive coordinator and he gets paid three hundred thousand. He'd of course get paid actually more, but just for our purposes, we would be on the hook for the difference in salaries between the jobs of a hundred thousand at that point.
0: Okay, that might- so
1: we can. We can hope, but there is a uh, not-so-silver-lining behind that, which is Paul's background. His background is as an offensive coordinator, correct? Yes.
0: Yeah, he's a guru. I, guru.
1: Idaho has the – we had the third-worst offense in the league last year in conference play. We got the worst offense in the league in conference play this year. 21 points per game, uh, 20 total touchdowns. Like Even Cal Poly, who we saw Cal Poly look atrocious against us. Cal Poly puts up more points for gaming conference than we do. Cal Poly has more touchdowns than we do. Northern Colorado and Southern Utah all have more touchdowns than we do. So I don't know whether he would be completely at the mercy of his brother getting in, his gravy trained brother getting a job or not uh, because of how bad he's done here.
0: Yeah, I do have the contract pulled up now, though. Uh, if he if he if Bobby does get a job and wants bro to come along the buyout is only $25,000 for Arkansas <laughs> or whoever <laughs> to – I mean, let's be honest. Hiring season is silly season, and I would not be surprised if some coach or some team that's absolutely desperate, heck, maybe even like a frickin' USC, if we're being honest, like makes a move like Bobby Petrino. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm that Bobby's going to get a job. I mean, if frickin' uh, Art Briles has a job, Bobby Petrino's done some pretty shady stuff. He's never done Art Briles shady stuff.
1: Briles so, is at Liberty, right?
0: Yes. But I twenty five thousand dollars to get this offensive guru? Come on, now that's a steal.
1: <laughs> I think we could get Tubbs listeners to contribute twenty five thousand dollars.
0: <laughs> yeah, Arkansas won't even have to pay him. <laughs> we'll just <laughs> we'll create a buyout from the Tubbs <laughs> of the club raising.
1: <laughs> and actually, I want to circle back to another point too. It's the booze. I don't disagree with you that like the optics of booing are difficult, but I really do feel the subtext of the boo is the coach. Yeah. Because I, I look, I've been on the message boards. I've talked with fans, people trip over themselves to say, look, I'm not putting down Mason. For all I know, Mason's a good kid. We know he's a hard worker because he's on the football team. He is doing what he's supposed to do. Coach calls your number, you go out there. Uh, It's the fact that his number shouldn't have been called and his number keeps getting called that, uh, that people are booing. And you know, as a fan, I mean, this is just the thing that sucks about being where we're at. If you're a fan, you got two recourses to say you're not happy with what's going on. You can boo or you can quit showing up. Well, we already have a ton of people not showing up. We might be at the floor of people who, who will stay home from the game. So, you know, the lowest our attendance might get mm. because the people who are going to games, those are those are hardcore fans at this point. Yeah you're not, you're not getting casual fans You're getting lifers You're getting people Who organize their lives Around buying RVs And making these trips Yeah
0: people And big donors That are like You know how much money I spend to come here Like I'm gonna come here But god dang If you If I'm spending money For this Boo
1: <laughs> Yeah cause, Cause what else Are we gonna do Cause I mean Like seriously At this point If we lose the, the lifers There's nothing No Now I don't know if we If it's possible To lose the lifers It might be um, if we keep Paul, I think we'll find out. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and like I said, I'm not. See, this is hard for me because I do think if you look at Idaho as uh, in Paul Petrino's tender tenure, and I know this is like when you see the overall number, it's 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 bad. But I just look at he took over a very crappy situation, right? Uh, second year of independence, um, just awful. We had been denied by the – pretty much had our face put in the mud by the Mountain West Conference. We finished 1-11. Makes sense. Anytime a new coach comes in, um, for example, look at NAU with Chris Ball, um, you're going to have a little bit of dip-off because some players just don't mesh unless you're, like I said, a well-oiled Ferrari and you're moving at 1,000 miles an hour. It's really easy to be the coach that hops in and maybe only drives it at 999 miles an hour. Circa, like, look at – uh, North Dakota State, for instance, you know they pretty much have plug and played three coaches. Uh, it's just don't crash the, don't be like USC and crash with people. Well, never mind. USC had some other stuff going on. But you get the point. NDsu easy to replace a coach. They're usually internal. They keep the culture. Everything keeps steaming along till it isn't anymore. Uh, Idaho, that wasn't the case. Uh, we had fired Rob Akey mid season. Then we had brought in Jason Gesser, and then a bunch of people were behind Jason Gesser, and then Jason Gesser gets hired. Or gets uh, we hire Paul Paul Petrino and then Paul doesn't even keep Jason Gesser on the staff, which was a big turning point back then. Then you know you have another stumble out of the gate first year in the Sun Belt, kind of like we did what we made excuses for in the Big Sky, where we're like, well, it's your first year in a new conference, and we're getting used to the travel and the different this and that. And then you see uh, or one and ten, and then you look at 2015, and we got better, we got good, we lost a couple games by just a couple points. Um, and you kind of saw it going. Matt Linehan was a sophomore. The future was bright. Then 2016 happens. We're 9-4. and four. One of the best seasons ever. We look great. Our offense is amazing. Our defense is pretty hard hitting. We're at an all-time high. 2017, we start rocky, but we looked like we had a real shot to finish the year with maybe seven or eight wins again, um, including the bowl. Um, but worst case scenario, you were looking at was six and six, and then Matt Linehan gets hurt with six games left, and we end up finishing four and eight. So it's or you know, it's, it's yeah. You're right, four thing. and eight, four yeah. and eight. We finished, but it, it, it's just rough because like 2017, we weren't going to be Idaho potato good, bowl good because we did lose some major players. Um, but we we're still a good team, and then when we lost a quarterback, what happened was. Mason came in and then Colton Richardson came in and they're both freshmen and they hadn't taken a lot of snaps because we had had Matt for so long. Um, and then you look at 18 and 19. We've had it. We haven't had a quarterback in two and a half years. And you can see that in the record that we've had four wins over that, you know, or less than that. Uh, Cause you're going to have probably four this year, uh, maybe five, uh, four last year, and then without Matt Linehan, we won one game. So, you know, we're looking at maybe nine to ten wins in three seasons, but that's with two and a half years of no quarterback. And I think we were on the right tick up with Paul, and then he's just kind of gotten in his own way, um, which wasn't the case when he had Matt Linehan. So I almost want to see him with a quarterback like another Matt Linehan type, a Nikhil Nayer, or, or, you know, this CJ Jordan, or Nate Sisko, or the junior college guy we might be able to bring in. Like maybe even Freeze. I've heard Freeze is an incredible competitor. Maybe he turns into something. And I think without the the nepotism part of Paul wanting to be like he and his dad were, where his dad played him at Carroll and he wants to play Mason at Idaho, and then maybe Idaho or Mason will be a head coach at some place like Wazoo someday, and then. You know, Mason's kid could play quarterback at Wazoo, and they'll just keep growing up the ladder to someday they have a coach at Alabama whose son is playing in Alabama. I don't know. But I also see the fact that these last two years have been such a middle finger that it's like, screw that. I don't even know if I want to see the end of this experiment. Like, yet you have me sold. I'm still pretty big on like, Paul's actually probably a good coach. He gets his own way. Yes, he's a bit of a dickhead, and he's very abrasive. But I think he was pretty much a good coach. He's a great recruiter. But these last two years have been so bad i'm even like i think you're a great coach and it might work out if we gave you the next three years in your contract but like screw you
1: yeah i i, I think there's some points for the, in there that would be best for us we'll probably be addressing them um in the subsequent podcast yeah um but i want to say two things one i don't know how you forgive the thrown away two years yeah. you know, again, you know our man Colton Clark tweeted out today that Paul said the team's gonna look for a young guy and a play immediate guy this year. every single fan, every single person that Paul has dismissed, you know back after he had that press conference against Eastern Washington when he pretended like Mason's best game was gonna be something we repeat every week when we all knew it wasn't. he had a, he had a good game, but people don't have career games every week. Every fan has been saying, part of the problem is we didn't recruit the position well enough Mm -hmm. and that's on the head coach yep the day you know we head into the last week and what does he say oh it turns out coach paul agrees with every hot take from every fan we need a guy who can play immediately
0: and do you remember when he always said he used to always say you need to recruit and i guess he has been doing that but he said you need a quarterback in every class because quarterback's important And if somebody gets hurt, you need someone with experience to step up. So he said, every class we're going to sign a quarterback. And it started with Lemley. And it started with, uh, God, Kareem Coles. And, like, we've had, like, he recruits these guys, but they all leave. Jake Luton. Like, Gunnar Amos. Like, we have the guys, and they leave. So, like, it's not like like, we had a three-year starter at a Pac-12 school up and leave. That was Matt Linehan's replacement right there. Like, then he gets hurt. A lot too and then we have like we'll put Mason in the conversation and Colton but you know at that time you would have hopefully had Gunnar Amos that had a little bit of steam under his belt and maybe Kareem Coles or Dylan Lemley worked out and it's like so we've recruited but like we chase him out
1: well we also got to say if we're gonna say that coach Paul is a good recruiter and I believe he's good I mean he's gotten some good guys yep. everyone agrees with that I will say he has recruited incomplete teams and the, the ways that these teams are incomplete are glaring. Uh, like last season when we couldn't guard any team who could pass. And I mean, any team mm-hmm. uh, that that's a big difference between us and a ton of the league. Cause we do have, we do have some talent. He, he has Jeff cotton. He's got Chuck Ocano who he, you know, Akano's out, but uh, Akano. if you looked at big sky stats, you know, halfway through the big sky season, you know, around the Idaho state game, Charles Akana was a leader, in, and I'm not kidding. Every single relevant defensive stat. Yeah. But we have a ceiling like that. But then you know we have the least disciplined team in the league. That's on the coach. We have the wretched offense, the just un- indefensible offense. That's on the coach too. You know he he recruited those good guys, but he also recruited the people who put up 21 points a game.
0: Yeah. Does, if we lose this, is there any chance Paul is fired Sunday?
1: I think there is now we we've heard rumors and rumors are of course just people talking uh, you know you talked about last week how you know the the rumor right now is that we'll have a ton of money donated like the moment Paul gets fired, but uh you know we have to actually see that come in. What I will say is if we don't hear the news fast, it's not coming
0: yeah i I literally think it would be a Sunday announcement, I think it would be Sunday over selection day um Like I think they go. We didn't make the playoffs. We're done. And then hopefully you're giving that staff like Brian Reader. Maybe you're giving him in charge. I know Sink's also a very popular guy and Bresky with recruiting. And you tell them you know what, we you know we don't know who the coach is going to be. We'd love for you guys to stick around and keep recruiting. Now I know some coaches don't. Some will phone it in. But I feel like guys like maybe Reader, um, like Schultz, guys who like went to Idaho and graduated from Idaho are going to be the guys like will stay. We'll make this class finish up and get ready for whoever you guys decide to hire, so that by you know February fifth, when it's signing day, we're ready. Um,
1: you throw Luther Alice's name in there yeah, too. Yeah, Luther
0: Luther, a guy I think we should try to keep. Who might even end up being a head coach if you talk to some people. Um, yeah, I think I think there's enough people on the staff. I w- would love if Brisky or Bresky stayed. I think he. You when you see kids recruit, a lot of them tag Bresky, A lot of them do Reader. Um, so, like, there are some coaches that you can tell are big parts of this recruiting. And I'd love to see the recruiting aspect of it stay. But then again, at the same time, you got to understand that these guys are like, so would I stay around for two more months to just get fired in March? Like, I need to start my coaching search, too. Like, <laughs> I need to go get an offensive coordinator job at Eastern or North Dakota State or whoever's going to leave. Um, you know, so it, it'll be interesting. I I agree with you. I think if by the time – We will either be talking about Paul Petrino being fired on Tuesdays for Thursday's podcast or it won't be happening and we will have Paul for the whole year. It will be next podcast. We will probably be discussing Paul Petrino being fired or we're getting another year, Paul.
1: Which can I ask you one last question then about the game? Yeah. So I know we, of course, root for the best things for the players because we, of course, want them to have a positive experience. Do you think it's better for the program if we lose? Uh,
0: no, because I think that the team is so young that there's a lot to point to if they can win this last game and conquer, conquer the road hurdle before next season. So we're not coming into next season being like, wow, you know, it's been two whole seasons and they haven't won a single road game. I would love if we're like, all right, we beat the road game. We have young players. We can see what's happening. We have new coaches. Um, I don't think necessarily – If Paul loses by 14 or wins by 60, I don't know if it necessarily changes the administration's stance on whether he's getting fired on Sunday or not. I guess. Like, I think win or lose, it just comes down to Paul and Terry have pretty much already made their mind. Um, The only thing that would probably help is like a 77-0 loss like Penn State, but I I don't think there's a, a point number in the like 20 range that he gets fired. I think decisions either already been made and they're just looking for affirmation of maybe once again a whole game where our offense is averaging gets 100 yards and we didn't change a single thing which is the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over again that's not working and expecting a different result
1: so just to put a button on this you feel or you're at least hoping that the administration should not base their decision on whether I, the University of Idaho wins their final game on the road against 4-7 and seven overall, 2-5 and five in Big Sky play, NAU.
0: Nope. I think win or lose, it doesn't matter. We know what this team was this season, and it wasn't good. That decision should be made. I just think, you know, uh, it, it just doesn't matter at this point if we win or lose. We were a bad team and a disappointment this year. And the only thing this can do is boost morale for the players I think the administration just realizes there's no point to fire a coach mid-season, um, especially in a super super down season, with a rivalry game towards the end of it in Montana. Um, I I just think they're like, there's no point to make the move now. Let's do our research, um, and give us more time. You know, Terry hasn't even been in the job a year. She hasn't been in it what six months, so. I think they've known for a while, and they've been taking their time behind the scenes. And maybe that's why Paul's been so middle-finger. Like, I already know what's happening. So, (laughs) who knows? But, yeah, no, I don't think a win or loss against NAU changes anything unless we get absolutely blown out by NAU. Yeah, that
1: sounds about fair. I mean, part of me is is just so horrified that I I don't – I think people are going to say if we win a game that – the story will be, Hey, the team is slowly improving and we can go over this further in the next podcast with a schedule breakdown. But that, that is a, if people are saying that after us, uh, winning against NAU this week, that is a preposterous claim Yeah, um, that we are, you know, developing as a program based off having one extra win. Um, but you know, we'll see, I I think Idaho, even the guys on Grizz fan who, you know, shout out to our fellow big sky podcast network members, uh, they believe that Idaho could be a team like Montana when they brought in Bobby Hauck, uh, maybe like Sac State, not to the extent of being top five necessarily, but a team like Sac State where they bring in a new coach. There are foundational pieces. We just need a couple more, and we need to have different leadership, different approach, um, and Idaho could become you know, the, the team we need to be in the fcs to have enthusiasm and
0: i talked about this on nau's podcast um you know what i would love to see from idaho i mean this is all hypothetical right this is if paul gets fired keep this out i like let's be (coughs) excuse me (coughs) the second highest paying school let's make it a desirable job and you know who's not paying that kind of salary a weaver state why can't we go get jay hill who turned a doormat into a four-year straight Playoff contender or playoff making team and a possible national title contender this year. Um, what would it really take to get him to move out of there? What would like you brought up uh, Troy Taylor for Sac State? I mean, you and I were there at Media Days. Nobody went up and talked to Sac State, and Troy Taylor was a, a pretty sexy hire. He had come from you know the Eastern Washington system, which you'd think, oh, he's coming from kind of the juggernaut of this decade. Like, why can't we go find the next Troy Taylor? Why can't we? Um, fine. I I don't know if we want a Jeff Choate. I I love Jeff Choate. I don't know if I want him as my coach. Um, our problem as Idaho is we don't have a Bobby Hauk. Our Bobby Hauk was Dennis Erickson, and if we hired Dennis Erickson for a third time, I I know he did all right. If you really look at all those guys from the 2009 humanitarian bowl that all went to the NFL, they're like all his recruits that he did in eight months. But like Dennis Erickson is our Bobby Hauk, and he's not coming back. <laughs> And he he shouldn't come back. We don't have a, a young guy that we can like be like, yeah, let's bring back Rob Akey. Like, Rob Akey did so good for us, let's bring him back. It's like we all of our coaches we could bring back are well out of coaching or they're like John L. Smith and freaking Dennis Erickson, and they're too old to be coaching.
1: Yeah, which is tough because uh, what a lot of FCS teams do is – they like north dakota state's an example of this montana they brought back bobby Howick, but montana had this model they essentially embrace that we will have guys move through the program but we establish a coaching tree so even when we're having a great season and we know there's a chance a coach moves on we already have a coaching pool to look at yep you know our, our coaching pool is,
0: yeah
1: our coaching pool is more or less complete Uh, six months before we'd even be looking at hiring a coach
0: yeah um well i think i mean we've got a lot of off-season content which will be really nice uh with the coaching stuff and maybe we have a special coaching specific episode but um uh let's let's move on from this and uh get into the big sky pick'em challenge last week uh tj actually went six and one which brought his total up to tie me. Uh I'm 4 and 3. Uh Alex went 2 and 5 and Brian you went 5 and 2. Um which brought your win percentage, you are now 69 and 16, which brings you to 81.1%. I'm 62. TJ and I are both 62 and 23 for a 72.9% win percentage. And Alex Boatman had a rough week last week. I think it's the f- first time we've had somebody have a losing record in pick Um and he went 28 and 16. For sixty three point six three point six three six three six etc. Win percentage, so not good for Alex. Um, but we got week thirteen, and we've got some uh, big sky rivalry games um, that we will probably spend a little bit more time on talking. Um, but because uh, some of them have some importance, one that does not have importance, however, is Cal Poly versus Northern Colorado. Um,
1: it's the
0: anti-Brawl the Wild. The anti-Brawl the Wild. Uh, I'll pick first so that you can't – I think you have officially secured it. Well, we'll pick through the – I don't know. We'll, I think you won. The title is yours. I'd have to pick seven games right. One, two, three, four, five, six, plus Idaho, which we picked the same. So, yeah, there's no way any of us can come back, Brian. You're, you're the winner. So this is all for fun. You're in the house money. Um, I'm going to take – screw it. I would take Northern Colorado to really have like kind of a surprise year and finish middle of the table, maybe above Idaho.
1: Man, this is actually tougher than you might think because some of the, well, I mean, they both suck. So it's really hard to to, <laughs> exactly. to project this. Um, they have some weird, they have some overlaps of uh, Cal Poly is a rushing team and Northern Colorado gives up uh, 265 rushing yards per game. But I hate Cal Poly. They're the most goddamn boring team in the world. This is a completely heart pick. I'm going Northern Colorado only because I can't stand Cal Poly, and I want them to be the worst team in the conference. Uh,
0: I like it. So there, we, we're different on that one. Maybe I've got a shot here. Uh, Wait, Southern- I said Northern Colorado, right? I want Northern Colorado. Oh, yeah, Colorado. sorry, you did. My bad, my bad. Not Cal Poly. Uh, Southern Utah, another big rivalry. Southern Utah versus North Dakota. You know what? I'm gonna pick Southern Utah. I think aren't they on a two-game win streak right now?
1: They are. Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't exactly be ecstatic about their two-game win streak. North Dakota is still theoretically playing to be on the playoff bubble. Yeah. It's in Grand Forks. I'm going North Dakota.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll take Southern Utah. Why not? Uh, Idaho State versus Weber State. I mean, this Weber like. I bet you Weaver beats them by more than BYU beat them.
1: Yeah, yeah, Weaver State, no question. Uh, the Weaver State did lose Rashid Shahid, Shaheed uh, probably for the season last week at Montana. But Idaho State, man, uh, th- their last win was in early October. Yeah. It's gonna stay that way. They've
0: fallen off. Maybe Rob Fennessy will be a guy we could snap up here. Uh.
1: <laughs> Port, <sighs> yeah. Now we- he'll <laughs> afford him. <laughs>
0: yeah. The uh, now it's time for the best damn rivalry in the FCS: Portland State versus Eastern Washington. See what I did there? The, for the damn cup. Um, you know what? I just want Eastern people to sleep well at night on Saturday knowing that they don't have to wake up early to watch the FCS selection show for, like, the prayer of a chance they make the playoffs. So for their sake, I hope Portland State beats them. I think the all-time series is, like, twenty twenty and one Like, it's surprisingly, like, I think tied. Um, That being said, Eastern thinks they're playing for the playoffs, so they're going to probably steamroll Portland State.
1: Yeah, Portland State gives up the most passing touchdowns. Eric Barrier is gonna have no problem. Eastern scored like seventy points against him in this game last year. Of course, Eastern's not as good as they were last year. Side note, for somehow Eric Barrier well, I know it's not a somehow, it's because he accrues a ton of yards against shitty teams this year. Um, Eric Barrier is thought of as a top three Walter Payton Award nominee. Your thoughts.
0: Um I just – I hate that because I know the stats are there. Like, you know, stats – you can use any stat to make any argument you want, except maybe – never mind. We've bagged on our quarterback enough. Um, I just – when I think of Eric Berrier, and maybe it's because I got to see him in the Dome this year and he kind of got in his own way more than Idaho got in his way, I'm just not a big believer that – he's still great. He's good. I don't know if he's top three Walter Payton good. Like, there are some real studs out there that deserve it. Hell, there's three to five guys in the big sky that probably deserve it more with the likes of, like, Dalton Snead and Case Cookis and Josh Davis. Like, God, hell, even, like, Sammy Akem. Like, I don't know. I He's good. Uh, he's got one more year, right? He's a junior. so Yep. Yeah, so you know what? Next year maybe, but this year I don't think he should be there.
1: I don't think he should either. He, I think he's going to have a bounce back year for oh, him next season. Next year,
0: I think.
1: But if you look at who he did against, and I'm, glad, I'm sure all our listeners are really ecstatic for this Eastern content, <laughs> but uh, he the best team he did he, that Eric Berrier produced a ton against was Northern Arizona.
0: Yeah. That was a crazy game. They had basketball scores. So the over-under in that I think was 60, and they had 60 points by like midway through the second quarter. Um, Oh, you know, total. Um, Then here's an odd one. Uh, The Causeway Classic. I think these schools are only separated by like 20 miles. Uh, UC Davis is traveling to Sac State. And if I remember last year, because of fires, it was actually moved to McKay Stadium in uh, Reno, Nevada. But uh, this one could be interesting. I got one for you before we pick it. If Eastern wins and UC Davis wins... As they're two – the two bubble teams – because I actually think the Big Sky deserves five. Um, There's just that thing out that, like, six teams in the Big Sky are in the top 12 for strength of schedule, according to Sagarin. Um, So, I think UC Davis, if you look at their losses to, like, North Dakota and Montana, like, I don't know. I think if they beat Sac State, they would get in. Like, if Eastern and UC Davis win, I think UC Davis makes – has a better chance to make the playoffs. What do you think?
1: I, I mean, I'd agree that if UC Davis wins, that'll be their sixth uh, FCS win. Eastern, if they win, will have six FCS wins. And then you look at their best win, UC Davis would have a win over a top 10 team in Sacramento State. Eastern's best win is North Dakota.
0: Yeah. And then what's well, who are, uh, I'm assuming you have the schedule up, who's UC Davis' losses? It's Montana... Like Cal, UC or uh, North Dakota State. Like I remember in the pre-show saying that they had the toughest schedule. Like they played like all the playoff teams from last year from the Big Sky, plus the national champion and an FBS school.
1: Yeah, the worst loss that UC Davis has is to North Dakota, and North Dakota. Give me two seconds. They are, I believe, they're top twenty-five.
0: If not, they're receiving votes.
1: They're receiving votes, so they're they're the second out. So North Dakota is essentially number twenty-seven in the nation. That's the worst loss for UC Davis, and that's
0: Eastern's best win.
1: Eastern, yep, that's yeah. Eastern's best win.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that that right there, I think UC Davis has a very outside shot, but it will take beating Sac State in the Causeway Classic for sure. Um,
1: I mean, I think the problem is North Dakota is going to steal what could have been the fifth Big Sky bid. True.
0: Um, I think Sac State, though, in this one, you know what? Screw it. It's the end of the year. I've got no shot. Uh, I picked UC Davis as my national championship team. Roll with them. i got to live it on a prayer. UC Davis in the Cosway Classic.
1: Yeah, North Dakota has a win over Montana State, too, so they have definitely the best resume out of those guys. I'm going to go Sac State. I don't think that Kevin Thompson is going to struggle against UC Davis like he surprisingly kind of did against Idaho, and we saw what Sac State's uh, defensive line does to teams. Jake Meyer's not mobile enough.
0: Oh, you mean Big Sky um, preseason player of the year?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep, yeah, I just don't – I mean, he he's still had a good season, but he's – he's Sac State's going to do do to him worse than what they did to Dalton Snead.
0: Yeah. Uh, then this is the big one. I mean, I don't even know how you you do it justice. Montana versus Montana State. If you've never watched this game, do yourself a favor. Go watch it. Go watch it to the, this weekend. Eleven o'clock Pacific, noon Mountain. Um, this is not just the Big Sky's best rivalry. It's not just the FCS's most likely best rivalry. I know you got Harvard-Yale and like the Bayou Classic and Music City. And so there's some other good ones, but it's most likely the best. It is an all-time football rivalry. It, the hate. The history, I mean, it's up there with just about any rivalry except population that attends the game because Montana is a less populated state um, and the schools don't have the alumni bases of, like, an Ohio State and Michigan. But, I mean, this is a rivalry. Um, And if you've never watched it, I don't know what you've been doing. I've paid attention to it for years. Before I was in in the FCS, Um, I love it. I I know, I can't plug it enough. If you're in the Seattle area, come hang out. They have a huge watch party for it uh, at the Central Saloon. It moved from Sluggers this year. I'll be there. TJ will probably be there. Um, So, I mean, yeah. In Seattle, you literally go on their website. They have watch parties all over the freaking country in Puerto Rico and stuff. So, uh, you can find a place to go watch it. If you're in Boise, uh, the owner of Perea in North Boise is a big Bobcats fan. He rents out his whole back parking lot and puts up a tent and sells tickets to this thing. Like, it's big. Go go watch it. Have fun. I wear Idaho stuff every year. There's always a couple, like, Eastern people and people that just kind of pop their head in as big Sky fans to take it in. Um, go enjoy the atmosphere of just even a watch party if you can't make it to Bozeman this weekend. But, um, I mean, you got any, any takes on this before we uh, pick it?
1: Yeah, I mean, the big the big takeaway is if Montana State wins, the Big Sky might have four seeded teams in the FCS playoffs. If Montana wins, Montana could be as high as a three seed.
0: Yep. I mean, this is and big.
1: I also think it's uh, for Montana, they have some matchup benefits here, uh, mostly because Montana State may be the only team with a quarterback worse than ours in Tucker Rovig. Um, so I know my... My take is I just think this is a bad matchup for Montana State.
0: Yep, um, I want to take the Grizz just because I feel like they're the better team, um, but I've said that the last two years, and I have been adopted by Team Bobcat. I think Jeff Choate just can't lose to the Grizzlies. Um, I guess I guess I'll I'll take I'll take the Kitty Cats at home in Bozeman. I think it's a stupid pick. Um, I'm not putting any money on that. I don't even know their favorite. They're probably not. They're probably a dog, and I still want to put the money on the dog. Um, yeah, but I don't know I've been adopted the team Bobcat. They haven't proven they can beat Jeff Choate, so I don't know. I've been wrong every year on this game, so you're welcome, Montana. I just gave you the win.
1: <laughs> okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up with that and say Montana, thanks for the uh, thanks for the extra win, Chris. <laughs>
0: Uh you're welcome. Um all right, that takes us in the FCS Fans Nation pick 'em challenge. Uh this one Idaho and NAU actually made this one, so that's how fifty-fifty they're booking us. Um FCS Fans Nation, week thirteen standings. Mitch Hopkins, seventy-six points, first place. I think he's actually tied to Kyler Neal, who picks the games, so that's impressive. Behind him is Connor Lindstrom, who has 65 points. If I'm doing the math real quick here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and a two. There's only nine points left, so um, that means it's uh, no matter what, Mitch could not pick this week. Connor could win out. It's Mitch's game, but Connor, Jamie, still pick. Um, it's so fun. And you get to beat me because Connor Lindstrom's at 65, Jamie Hill's in third at 62, TJ's at 57, Chris has made up some ground um, at 58. So it's been fun. Uh, Mitch will be in contact with you to get you a tub of tub tokens, pending that I did my math right there. And uh, it doesn't matter what happens this week and you win. Uh, but this week we have some games. Oh, and that's a reminder to everybody. If you like this FCS Fans Nation Pick'Em Challenge and maybe you didn't sign up for it, FCS Fans Nation does do a bracket challenge for the playoffs. We will try to post it on Tubbs at the Club, but if you're interested, try to DM us or something ahead of time so we know to shoot it out to you um, because it's also fun to do the bracket challenge. So they do that as well. Week 13 Pick'Em, Nichols versus Southeast Louisiana. I'm taking Southeast Louisiana.
1: Sagrin says to take them, so I'm taking sila as well.
0: Yep. Uh, Sacred Heart versus Robert Morris. I'll go oh, Sacred Heart.
1: Oh, man. We're, we're entering the world where my expertise leaves me. <laughs> yeah. I am going to go with – oh, man, this is a close one. Sacred Heart picks up win number
0: eight. Nice. Wow. I did, would not have guessed they are doing that well. Uh, this is kind of like a possible playoff – play-in game, Maine versus New Hampshire. I think the winner of this might get a last four in. I'll take, I said at the beginning of the podcast, I thought New Hampshire had the best chance to make the playoffs of a team who hadn't. I'll take New Hampshire at home.
1: And I'm going to take I'm going to take Maine. They pick up win number seven. That's yeah. it.
0: East Kentucky versus Jacksonville State. Got at this point, I think Jacksonville State's not playing for anything. I think Eastern Kentucky wins this.
1: Yeah, man, they've got identical records. Sagarin says they're pretty dang close. Uh, but Jacksonville State, they're, you know, one of those up and down teams like we've talked about before. If you're a Jekyll and Hyde team, it means you're a Hyde team. Eastern Kentucky. Uh
0: Albany versus Stony Brook. I'll take God. It's like I like Stony Brook, but I think that's a last year pick. This year's pick, I feel like Albany is last year's Stony Brook. So, Albany. Go In August.
1: I'm going to go Stony Brook.
0: Stony Brook. Uh, then we already picked Idaho versus NAU. Go Vandals. Uh, Florida A&M versus Bethune-Cookman. I'll take FAMU.
1: Yeah, I'm going Florida AM. They're going to pick up win number 10. But just so so fans know, if you look through the Sagarin rankings of the FCS teams, other than in the Big Sky um, and in the Missouri Valley, there's a lot of awful teams there in there. We, we, have, we have one of the good conferences where, yeah. you know, our we're, Idaho is a disappointing team in the big sky. We would be towards the top of a ton of
0: conferences. Yeah, we probably win a bunch of these conferences. Um, and you'll probably see that in the first round of the playoffs when some of these AQs play some teams like Montana State who might have to play in the first round if they lose. So, um, yeah, I mean, just look at when we talked about Casey. Uh, NAU is ranked number 52 In versus sports simulators rankings, and Idaho still ranked 36th. So, like, and these are teams about to finish 12th, possibly, in the big sky. So, I mean, that's how crazy the big sky is that even like a southern Utah, who we make fun of, a northern Colorado, would be pretty good to decent teams in a lot of conferences. So, be lucky. You got to remember, we are the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten of the FCS. Our Minnesota, every once in a while, is a really big powerhouse. And no matter how bad Wazoo ever is, they're probably going to beat a Mountain West team um, that travels into their place. But enough of that Uh, game of the week was Montana versus Montana state. Cause no duh. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Obviously I probably am going to watch Montana, Montana state and then follow up with Idaho check-in just cause I can't go two weeks. And it's my last chance to see the team. So I'll do that. See if, Nick Kilnare get some snaps but if you're not watching Brawl of the Wild taking that one off the table and you're not watching um Idaho who are you watching this week Brian
1: I'd say the best the best looking pick left is I'd say uh the Causeway Classic Sacramento State and UC Davis so we can Vandal fans you can get further context on how Sacramento State is actually damn good
0: yeah um for me, God, I don't even know who they're playing. I'd probably tune in a North Dakota State game. Just turn it on, see what the ne- potential national champions, or maybe James Madison. I'd probably flip between those two. They're probably going to be your top two seeds. I don't even know who they're playing this week, but I, I would check them out because that's a really good chance those are the two teams you'll be seeing in the national championship. However, we have a lot of big sky schools that might have something to say different. And if I remember right, Eastern was, what, a five seed last year?
1: Yeah, something like
0: that. Yeah, so, like, guess what? If Sac State and Montana, Montana State are, like, 3-6-8 and eight or whatever, like, there's still a really good shot that they're making the freaking playoff or the championship game. So, it's not always one versus two like a lot of people seem to think it is. Um, no TJ for TJ's wing corner. So, that's it. Uh, gosh. Uh, any basketball update you want to throw in super fast?
1: Uh, yeah, we picked up our first D1 win uh, last week against VMI. The team is um, we're two and two, yeah two and two on the regular season so far. One of those wins is you know against Evergreen State. Uh, we are really looking like if Jack Wilson isn't an elite player, we're we're just going to have a super long season. Although, fun note, University of Montana joined us yesterday. Uh, which was Monday yeah, from, from the recording <laughs> yep uh, Montana lost at home to Montana Tech so we are not the only team to go down to an NAIA school uh, which obviously hey, we're not stoked about but hey hey if you're mon- gonna if you're gonna suck at least have some company
0: and Montana's supposed to be good, so that's pretty bad for them that's that's us it was kind of like we kind of saw that as a possibility. Montana that was kind of a shock.
1: Yeah, so Montana, their reporters, and Idaho fans know what this means. Their reporters are already using the term growing pains to describe their team.
0: Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. Well, we've got some things in the works for you guys. Expect basketball to probably look a little different than it did last year, um, which for some of you, you might like because poor Brian just – had to say the same stuff every week i mean what, what are we talking about we say the same stuff on the football podcast but um make sure you tune in next week next week's the fun one where none of you podcast co-hosts do not go back and listen to the preview episode i'm gonna pick some sound bits and we're gonna guess who said that and what we got right what we got wrong and who knows maybe we'll be talking about a new coach um brian what do you got going on in your life before we sign off
1: Last couple of editions of the Montana Mint newsletter. Sign up at montana-mint.com. Follow me on Twitter at Brian Marceau. That's M-A-R-C-E-A-U. And other than that, you know, we're still working it out both with Tubs of the Club and with the Big Sky Podcast Network, whether to look at just doing, you know, a solo, uh, you know, a, an Idaho hosted show, or whether we're going to have other Big Sky Podcast Network hosts keep the Uh, big sky big takes thing going but have it a little bit more basketball centric so we can just do our football one-offs as we want um so we we got some options that we're cooking we just just need to see what works
0: the best yep and if you have a preference let us know um you can find me on the interwebs at chris underscore p underscore hammond you can find this podcast obviously at tubs at the club fun fact um brian i know you get you're on the twitter right Do you have updates to tubs at the club's twitter
1: I am, uh, so this is some behind the curtain stuff. No, I don't.
0: Oh, well, we need to fix that. We got a follow this morning from you guys all know co host TJ Hopkins at TJ Hopkins13. We got an ad this morning from TJ Hopkins15, and it's not actually our TJ Hopkins. It's actually, I think he's a recruit from like Mound City, Missouri. He's a two time All State linebacker and fullback playing eight-man football in Missouri, and he just added Tubs of the club this morning. I thought it was a joke, and TJ made a new Twitter. And it turns out it's, like, this Missouri kid who's the senior class of 2020 has a huddle tape and everything. So um, maybe we'll, on Thursday, we'll, like, retweet his huddle tape or something, because I thought that was pretty funny that TJ Hopkins 15 found the podcast that TJ Hopkins 13 is a host on. But with that... Um, we hope you enjoyed our Idaho whack Diving Special Our Sorrow Fest Of being internally sorrow um, But hopefully uh, Who knows, we can end the season on a high note Whether that be a win or a coach It's time for the best band in all the land to play us out The sound of Idaho, Go in Go in